Welcome for Outlander Season 1, Episode 13, The Watch. I'm Don Bitters. And I'm Nick Stone. And this is Gaelic Guys, an Outlander podcast where we watch Outlander, drink scotch, and let you know our terribly uninformed opinions about both. Our episode this week starts with the most cliffhanger of all cliffhangers, which isn't apparently a very tall cliff, because Jamie lands very solidly on his feet. Yeah, here. it's true. It's it's almost disappointing how quickly the cliffhanger is at least semi-resolved. Yeah. <laughs> because you're like, oh my god, there's men holding Jamie at gunpoint in his own manner. What's going to happen? Turns out it's all cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. cool. It turns out to be cool. Yeah. As the title of the episode would imply the men who have provided us this amazing cliffhanger for the previous episode are actually the watch who essentially are like mafia yeah like kind enforcers. of yeah kind of organized group of robbers who offer a quote-unquote protection for a small fee to the various clans around because you know you got a nice manner here it'd be a shame if something happened to it like I set your hay on fire for no reason because I'm bored. Or if some redcoats showed up, that'd be a shame. So Quarry, who is the leader of the Watch, has shown up, and Jamie, of course, has no idea who these people are, and they have no idea who Jamie is, so Jamie is now essentially in his own house, hiding as uh, Jenny, his sister's cousin. Right, because Jenny is an amazing improviser and liar, because she walks in on this scene of Jamie being held at gunpoint and instantly is like, don't worry about Jamie, McTavish. My cousin, totally a normal guy who's just here. Don't worry about why I gave him the master bedroom in a permanent way. Don't worry why I'm saying all these really expositional things right to your face. Yeah, yeah. but she, uh, she covered, it was pretty slick. And Macquarie backs down for the time being. I was going to say for a long time, like, Jamie, like, Jamie's physically, you can just, like, beat the crap out of him and nothing happened to him. Mm. Like, he's still, like, steady on the course. Jenny's the same way, just with everything else. Right. Like, she's always like, I'm in charge of this shit. Yeah. She's making sure that this house keeps a running. Yeah. We first meet them. We get all this exposition of the details in the kitchen. Right. And that quickly transitions into a dinner that Jenny's prepared for them, where Macquarie, the leader of the watch, quickly puts on his suspicious hat and starts, like, inspecting everything about Jamie. Right. Yeah. Macquarie here plays the role of Detective Columbo. <laughs> Um, because he's just like, huh, interesting. Never heard about you. And I talk to Ian all the time. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a little bit of overperformance across the board here. Mm-hmm. It's like the direction was like, okay, act super curious. Jamie, act super. You don't care that it's curious and you're not suspicious at all. And right. they just took it like a step too far into like improv theater. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it, it plays pretty well. Jamie definitely is acts here as if he's a person who can't hide his disdain, you know, yeah. which is which is the situation. He's also, a proud also man. Like the crux of his character in general. Right. Like, Jamie's yeah. really bad at hiding. Yeah, he's he, he wears his emotions, he honestly. He Yes, <laughs> that, that helps. As we're all discussing, turns out they all fought in France. I'm actually personally unclear on the history of why that is. Right. For some reason, they're mercenaries for the French. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so everyone was so suspicious and mysterious uh, as Jamie offers to shoe the horse for Macari the next morning. As uh, everything you're talking about with, you know, like 
Oh, look at all this hay. It'd be a shame if someone set it on fire. Immediately comes to fruition. Yeah, because Jamie says to uh, a character who I don't know if he's named, but I'm just calling uh, Jerkface. Uh, he, you <laughs> it know, describes like four of these characters. It does, it does. But this guy has a particularly jerkish face. That's true. Um, and so Jamie, you know, walks up to him and is like, "Oh, I see you've helped yourself to Ian's tobacco." And he's like, "Oh, and it's good." And he's like, "Too good for you, Jerkface." He doesn't say Jerkface. I put that in there. Anyway, <laughs> it's they, implied. It's implied. So Jerkface takes this uh, tobacco, takes out of his pipe, and lights a cart filled with hay on fire as a funny funny prank because it's super funny to do that fire is hilarious yeah. no. this is the equivalent of like the beavis and butthead fire fire thing. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> basically jamie then immediately flips out and reveals his like full fighting force jamie mode of like taking down three guys single-handedly yeah he's very like wolverine here minus one adamantium skeleton basically no but he's got to kill he does have a it's equivalent it's the same yeah totally the same but then macquarie steps in and is like oh we're so sorry this is (laughs) i how dare you this is very rude guys anyway jamie do you want to also be a robber criminal because you're so good at the kicking my guy's butts (laughs) which uh yeah i can see why that's appealing yeah this is actually his like recruiting technique is he just like puts out a bunch of douchebags are never really going to piss off someone who's going to be able to beat the shit out of them and then immediately tries to recruit that person right it's yeah it's kind of a it's not a very effective strategy i mean it's one of those like you know organized crime tropes where it's like oh, oh yeah main character comes in oh and he, he he's better than smarter than or kicks the butts of the current like mafioso characters and so then someone's like I see potential in you, kid, you know, or whatever. And then, you know, you get the rest of the story. Cut to The Godfather. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's The Godfather. It's The Departed. Yeah. It's It's all of them. It's all over there. And so we get a tiny little mafia episode where Jamie is tempted to go back to his fighting ways. And that's quickly interrupted by surprise Horrocks. Horrocks. There's a reason that we gave him a name and talked about him previously. And gave him a scene at all. Right. Yeah, a scene that didn't do much of anything in that episode. Yeah, I was super confused until this episode about why we spent any time with that character. And now it's like, oh, I see. That came back around. Okay. Yeah, but it doesn't resolve in a way that has a particularly great impact either. So Right. Uh, so we find out that Horrocks is working with the Watch to plan an ambush on the Rent Party, who I'm a little confused by that because I thought the Rent Parties were Scottish, but this is actually the Redcoats. I was unclear on that myself, but they refer to the Chisholm rent party running around. Chisholm sounds kind of English, so maybe it's an English landowner in Scotland. No idea. That borders the Fraser clan here or whatever. You sound incredibly well informed about this. I mean, that's this is uh, mostly guessing from what I gathered from the episode. But, you know, anyway, it, it, it's uh, events transpire later that lead me to believe that they're probably not just fellow Scotsmen because... yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, to to be fair. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we have a quick scene of Jenny and Claire doing laundry, talking about the history of the Fraser fam, mm-hmm. about Jamie's brother and all, how much he meant to Jamie before he died. Mm-hmm. And then her mother died. In childbirth. There's a lot of death yeah. in the Fraser family. It's awkward. And then immediately surprise water breaking. What? How dramatic. That's yeah, incredible. That's something like I felt like this episode kind of didn't do in a particularly good way of having these like, oh, look, 
this surprise thing happened when it's always like it's set up or it's like it's a thing that instead of really feeling shocked or surprised by, you're kind of like, oh, that was inevitable. Right. Yeah. It felt like uh, <laughs> like a lot of the things of this episode were like, OK, we need to get to the next thing now. So that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So we're going to get to the next thing now. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. So next uh, we have Claire is attempting to adjust Jenny's baby who apparently is coming up the wrong way. Feet Would- first. They refer to it as a footling. We think of it as a breech birth now, but I kind of like the name footling. That's yeah, much it's, more it's, charming. Yeah. What did they call the the like baby that was replaced by as a changeling, like yeah. fairy baby? Yeah, so they got changelings, you got footlings. It's just a baby that's a giant foot. Yeah, yeah, it's awkward on a lot of levels. They but don't they don't like to talk about it, right? And they don't want to talk about. it. Don't tell Ian about this because we don't want to worry anyone. It's like, why do you have all these shoes? <laughs> and why just one? We actually now have the confrontation between Jamie and Horrocks are are wonderfully conveniently placed Irishmen. Mm-hmm. who is clearly blackmailing Jamie and is not just blackmailing Jamie, but like is doing it in like the most like cliche way. Like he's just like, well, I want money. Clearly you have a lot of it, even if it doesn't make much sense to do in this like straightforward way. I was kind of hoping that at least would be something more like interesting right. to this character because they've built him up in so many different ways across so many episodes. Right. Like they had a huge sequence about Finding Horrocks right. in a previous episode that's kind of building to all the resolutions for his character and what he means to Jamie in this. And it's kind of eh. Right. It's, again, a very, like, tropey blackmail scene where it's like, hey, I've got plans. I want to move to Boston. But, you know, it's expensive to get to Boston. We got a lot of nice stuff here. Yeah. But, of course, the other thing is, like, you realize, like, sort of inevitably with like most blackmail scenarios the person doesn't actually stop when you pay them the first time you exactly because they know they, that you yeah. will pay which now. we're going to get to because that scene has not yet happened this is true this but is future talk on uh we're on, we're doing you know, a little bit of a spoiler for like 20 minutes but just you know the idea that like okay he says he wants money to get to boston but as we strongly suspect yeah that's probably not where it's gonna end no also i want to point out that i'm pretty sure that they just created Horrocks as a character by taking still images of Robin Williams from the first part of Jumanji <laughs> and putting him in like a little Irish outfit because this guy looks a lot like that. I will give you that. Yeah. yeah, he does. There's one small thing they do set up, which I do know comes back in a really big way in later seasons, mm. which is that the family, the uh, Fraser family, has a hidden stash of jewels and other like very expensive items mm. uh, in a nearby, I forget what they said, they called it, but it was like, it's like a small castle, like a, a ruins okay. uh, that they have mm. in case of like, you know, emergency is like, this is the money for their family right. to, to last, like and pass down through generations. Interesting. Okay. So it just like a little side note thing, but it is, does that have a payoff later on down the road. Okay. Interesting. Um, so we have a quick scene here that, all these interactions in this episode with Claire and Jenny are like in so many ways, like if you framed it differently, it's out of like a modern, like female led R rated comedy because there's a whole discussion between Claire and Jamie, uh, Jenny, sorry, Claire and Jenny about what it means to be pregnant. And Jenny has two lines in this, which I found one astounding and kind of one of them fantastic. Mm. 
Uh, the first one, which is where Jenny's describing like all the stages of having a kid in you, and it all sounds pretty awful. But then she comments where it's like, it's like having a man inside you, except he's trying to get back out. <laughs> yeah, it got a little strange there where I was like, I'm not sure I follow entirely that towards the end of your pregnancy, it's like a man's inside you, but like gigantic. And then, but then sometimes men do want to be inside you and go back to the womb or something. And I was like, Jenny, you're in a lot of pain. So you say whatever you have to. Yeah. Me, I'm probably not going to be pregnant unless there's some significant advances in modern science real quick. So I'll just never understand, but I believe we'll you. trust. And then we understand, we find out that uh, no, no, we're going to have a drunk baby. Yeah, well, no, no, this is like one of the, this along with, it's Scotland, sir. Yeah. Is like one of my favorite lines I've heard from this show thus far, where Jenny says that like she needs a drink to get through this birth. Mm -hmm. And Claire points out like, well, if, the, if you're drinking, the baby will be drunk too. And Jenny says, we'll come into the world like a real, a true Scotsman. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, so... You should watch out for alcoholism in your family. That's what I'm hearing. It's Scotland, sir. Right. It's Scotland, <laughs> sir. Just expected. So Jamie and Ian are talking over the burnt out hay. Mm -hmm. And Ian's explaining why the watch is necessary because the alternative is the redcoats. Right. And it would be even worse for them. So it's like, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Right. Or at least it's a lesser devil, I should say. Right. And in this case, I mean... For you know, we'll we'll get to it shortly, but there's at least the understanding that the watch are made up of Scotsmen, and so that on some level their loyalties lie mm -hmm. more to their Scottish roots than to at least the Redcoats. Yeah. Even, even if there's you know they're money thieves, on the line, they're, but they're, they're Scottish thieves. Right, it's kind of an yeah. honor among thieves thing. We come to find yeah. out. There's a line at the end of the Rocketeer I've always loved, with one of the mob guys, like the mob and the FBI are both like facing down against the Nazis. Right. And like the, the mobster has a line. It's like, I may not make an honest buck, but I don't work for no two-bit Nazi. <laughs> it's right. like there's a similar vibe here. It's like, well, I'm an asshole and a scoundrel and a thief, but I don't work for the British. Right. I kind of hope that. And Ian points out why it's been useful to them. Because of, I mean, you know, we just saw in the last episode how horribly Jenny in particular was treated oh, yeah, by the yeah. British. And so it's like, this is a... A, a market improvement like a measurable improvement yeah, over exactly. that life so he that's why he's in in such favor of this arrangement mm -hmm. so jamie tells ian about horx's payment everything like that he then goes and talks to claire about the whole situation mm -hmm. and he talks about how like well the money that that, that was supposed to be the, the, the money they've hidden away mm -hmm. is supposed to be for them and like their family and like over the years and i'm I'm honestly unclear, and maybe my memory's just kind of foggy, but like, it's revealed that Claire believes she's barren. Right. Which is actually a really big deal. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they allude to it in the very first episode, I think, when they talk about the awkwardness of like trying to start a family again and things, and that they haven't been successful. Mm -hmm. uh, Frank and Claire have not been successful in having kids after the war has ended, even though they've been trying. Um, but I don't know. Like, I feel like they're, you know, you know, it's short time in TV time. Maybe it was more time in like the actual timeline of this, but like, yeah. I feel like we haven't really had enough time to establish that, like whether there's a fertility issue somewhere in yeah. there, you know? Well, no, but it's also not been something that's come up a lot within the series thus far. Right. Yeah. It's just a really interesting reveal for this character. 
And I think it's an important reveal for the character. And I wish they, I honestly wish they had taken it further. I mean, because very quickly, Jamie's like, you know, like, oh, well, he's good guy Jamie. And he's like, well, I would never want to see you hurt or like in pain. But clearly Claire is, is very upset by this. Yeah. And again, like you and I can never understand anything regarding what it means to deal with childbirth or have any sort of relationship in, to a child like a mother would have. But I feel like the way Claire's reaction is, it's like such a important thing to her mm. that in context of the episode kind of just whoop, goes away. Yeah, it's it's I, I'm hoping that they're setting it up for more later down the line because it just sort of functions as like a quick like plot device. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, I guess it's OK for me to give away our family money then because we aren't going to have a family. And it, we don't, yeah. yeah, like we got to pay this guy off and Ian thinks it's a good idea kind of thing. But ultimately, it doesn't really uh, matter. It doesn't really matter because we get a confrontation scene between Jamie and Horrocks where we do find out that, of course, all blackmailers at Horrocks is like, oh, this is a good start, yeah. but you know, Boston's expensive, don't you know? And wouldn't it be a shame if I turned you in, you know, and your whole estate got lost? I mean, what's what's selling off a little bit of your land as opposed to losing your your, yeah. your entire, you know, estate here? Because <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Surprise! <laughs> yeah, surprise, Ian. Surprise! Ian has stabbed him through from behind. <laughs> so it's like in this scene, it's good guy Ian who is straight up just shoves his sword through Horrocks' back and. Boom, Horks is down for the count. Yeah, this uh, is a very backstabbing situation, <laughs> yeah. which is uh, frowned upon in typical well, parlance. Backstabbing backstabbers, I think, is very fitting, though. Oh, yeah, this guy is total D-bag, <laughs> and it deserves to be betrayed, just as he's betrayed a lot of people. And will continue, miraculously, <laughs> we find yeah. out. This solves, at least temporarily, Ian The Horks and, problem. Right, the Horks problem. Which was also a problem with the script, and so they just found a way to get around it. Right. We have another quick scene with Claire and Jenny mm -hmm. uh, talking about the family history with a little token of from uh, Jamie's brother who passed away, which is a little snake mm -hmm. uh, with uh, I do have a name written down. Sawney. Yeah, Sawney. Sawney. Yeah. The Sawney snake. The Sawney snake. Mm -hmm. Which we yeah we find out was given by Jamie's deceased brother to him for his fifth birthday. Mm -hmm. So it's. But then Man, you know you decode like the. Like, I thought I was good at understanding the accent, but yeah. you are far better than I am at this point, so... I don't know. There's still a good 25 to 30% where I'm like, I think I get the gist of it. <laughs> We're not watching this with subtitles, as I feel like we maybe should. Yes, yeah, that we, we might want to try that. The next breakfast, which, you know, breakfasts are always very dramatic in the world of Outlander. Yeah, uh, if they're, if they're going to bother filming it, better be a dramatic yeah. breakfast. McCrory is suspicious always. Yeah, does his Columbo routine all over again yeah. because he's like, huh, interesting. Three men leave, two men come back. And add that up with you two knew each other and didn't tell me about it. Sounds like suspicion. It's also something that like anyone with two eyes and two ears or maybe one eye and one ear could have figured out. What? No, this is high-level detective work. Okay, Don, <laughs> this is this is Macquarie is the Sherlock Holmes of Scotland. At the time, I mean, you know, science was basically hoping that your husband died <laughs> so that you could marry someone else. That was the extent of science at this fair point. Enough, fair so, enough, yeah. There's a lot of talk of witchcraft. We've already seen someone ripped apart by a crowd, basically, for witchcraft. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, Macquarie confronts Jamie, 
and in a dramatic turn is actually ecstatic about the fact that Horrocks is dead, uh, basically con- considering him like a backstabbing asshole anyway. Right. Well, I think he you know, almost more than anything, we, we sort of reveal or realize over this episode that Macquarie has an eye for talent, sort of. That's true. Yeah. And that he's like, he's pegged Jamie as like kind of a fellow traveler, as a, you know, Fight, another soldier. Man. He's a warrior. Yeah. He calls him these things. And I was like, you, you would be good at this. Like, come join me. And you're like an honorable person, obviously, because you are so pissed off that we're here right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so as opposed to Horrocks, who is the most mercenary person you've ever met in this entire yeah. series, he's actually, yeah, he's perfectly happy that Horrocks is dead so long as Jamie takes his place for this raid. Exactly, yes. Which is a very convenient point where Ian also decides to volunteer, even though, you know, He's got a baby on the way. Right. And, and a wooden leg. Which is, and... yeah, going to slow him down a bit. So it's, well, I, you know, he's watching out for Jamie. And, you know, that's that's his goal. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a stand-up guy. So makes sense. Claire and Jamie have a quick scene of with the Sawny Snake, which is just a quick scene with the Sawny Snake. There's not much there. Right. Um, but, you know, you get your only, like, romance for the episode. For the episode. Yeah. You get a little sexual tension as Jamie goes off. Well, yeah, well, we're going to get some real sexual tension. Oh, we'll get back to that. <laughs> okay. So the robbing party's on its way, and we reveal the, the double meaning of the title of the episode, where the watch, the head of the watch, has a watch that's shaped like a skull because it's a death watch. And the watch says something inside, like basically... Death visits us all. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, kind of a downer. Anyway. From kings to the the poor, everyone dies. Yeah. Which is like a super cheery message. Yeah. To look at every time you want to check the time. Yeah. Yeah. But we also reveal the true nature of Makari's like uh, loyalties. Mm. When Jamie, who now at this point has revealed to Makari that he has a price in his head and that anyone who's a scoundrel would clearly turn him in. For the money. Right. But McCrory says that he would never turn Jamie over to the British because he hates the British and you'd rather shoot Jamie dead before he does that. Yeah. So, you know, you yeah, there's like kind of this bonding scene and you realize that Jamie and McCrory are more alike Good than different. Yeah. It's yeah. You kind of get this version where it's like, you know, I did a lot of fighting for other people. And so I decide, why can't I just do the fighting for my own benefit yeah. and so it's like yeah you know kind of a not quite a robin hood thing because he's just enriching himself but kind yeah. of a, an honorable thief he's just of. robin in the hood yeah exactly but then we uh we arrive at the uh the bridge where this ambush is supposed to take place and it turns out an ambush does take place oh yeah that's totally normal isn't it don that's what we expected yeah oh no <laughs> the redcoats are here <laughs> Jamie realizes it in classic ambush fashion. He realizes it one second before, before the ambush. Before they could show up. Yeah, like yeah. any ambush, you're supposed to show up and not be quite ambush. You're well, supposed to go, wait a minute. It, oh. It's also like it's set up in such a way he's like, oh, yes, this is a great spot for an ambush. High walls, lots of cover. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, oh, no, why are we in the ambush? Okay. And so I wrote here, Horrocks. <laughs> yeah, even beyond the grave. He's backstabbing people. Yeah. This is this guy is the greatest backstabber of all time. Also, side note, almost every time I wrote Horrocks, I almost wrote Horcrux. Horcrux. Yeah. I did the exact same thing. This yeah. is like 
uh, Jack Black Randall. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Jack, Jack Black Randall. Pick of destiny. As this ambush is happening, cutting, and this has to be pointed out, we're cutting to one of the most intense, awkward childbirth scenes where Claire points out that, you know, earlier that she, act to correct the, the breech baby, the, the, the footling, she actually is going to have to reach inside Jenny and rearrange mm-hmm. things. And they do it in kind of, not well, not like we're not seeing that end of it, but we're seeing all the resulting pain and agony from Jenny. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of like crawling around and then Claire reaching up inside to help guide the baby out, um, which I, as I pointed out to Don, I'm sure that a small but avid following of Outlander <laughs> considers this the sexiest scene in all of Outlander. Very small. Because, you know... Outlander it, fans are way, more, way too classy for that, man. This is a relatively, you know, classy show, so you don't see all that much. So you get the scene where you just see one lady reaching up into the pained end of another lady. And so, you know, for some people, that's going to float their boat. But what we realize is, you know, e- even if we take this at face value, that's got to be awkward for these sisters-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like... Welcome to the family. Yeah. So anyway, turns out baby's a girl. Yeah. It's not a boy. And despite this is how the fact, a baby is born. Despite the fact that the baby rode low and that Jenny had a craving for salty snacks, surefire signs that the baby would be a boy. Which <laughs> is hilarious. I will say it's kind of hilarious because her only point of reference is the one baby boy she's had. Exactly. Like she's like sample size of one. Okay. It was similar to my last pregnancy. So it's a boy. boy yeah. It's like, okay, Jenny. Anyway, it's a girl. And she's adorable and healthy, and Jenny's healthy, which is a surprise because I was pretty sure they were going to kill her off. Yeah, it, the intensity with which they presented her and her agony, it definitely seemed like that was the direction they were going. And the little things like, oh, our mom died in childbirth. Foreshadowing. Yeah. You know. So Jenny and Claire just stare down the road that Jenny's been staring down, waiting for Jamie for four years. And they keep waiting for Jamie. It honestly felt like because it was like almost like a montage of like look how much time has passed. Yeah, that like they almost should have played like waiting is the hardest part underneath it. Yeah, because it's just this like here's some dudes putting up a fence. Here's some cattle doing their thing. It's like it's was it felt a little bit overplayed. Yeah, at least there was no sheep jazz. There was no sheep jazz, and they couldn't get clearance for the Tom Petty song, so we just get. They could some. have done the Scottish rendition. Come on, they could have. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But uh, we do see a one-legged man stumbling home, held up by another man with <gasps> with long, curlyish, curlish hair and and a frock. And so we're like, oh, is this they? And it is in fact Ian, but it's not Jamie. We reveal that, oh no, Jamie's been taken by the redcoats yet again. I don't have a good feeling about this one, Don. <laughs> You're probably right to feel that way. Things don't end well with Jamie in the Redcoats very often. Yeah. And that's how we, uh, that's how we end the episode. Yeah. Um, it, like, as we said, it's kind of, I mean, not a filler episode. Because, no. it's, because a filler episode like doesn't move the plot forward at all. Right. And the plot definitely moved forward, but it felt a bit like it was just like kind of going through the motions. Without any real stakes at any point. Yeah, it felt a bit almost self-contained. Like, the plot moves forward, but it could have been moved forward 
faster and efficiently without a lot of the introduction of these new characters and their motivations and things. But it's sort of nice to get another perspective of like a different version of Mm -hmm. a proud Scotsman here. And this is one of those points, too, where I wonder how similar or different from the book Mm. something like this is. Because obviously they take a lot from the book, but they've also deviated in a lot of ways. Mm. So I do wonder, is this something where they basically just faithfully enacted on what was in the book Mm. or is it something where they're like man we need to have another episode right yeah and it's interesting because you know i as we were sort of talking about like you could almost like completely skip the whole horrocks storyline with a little clever editing of the story It, it doesn't you know amount to all that much in some ways but it's sort of like okay maybe it's Maybe it's the start of some threads that they do want to address here. And so, you know, I, I don't mind it necessarily, but no. it's like if you had a smaller episode order, you know, like you could yeah. have the, done away with the it. The contents of this episode could have been presented and resolved in all of five minutes. Right. And it's like, you know, obviously there's some episodes which they, they nail that are fantastic and have a lot of great dramatic swings to this. This one really kind of just felt like it was like through this going through the steps to get to Jamie being captured. Right. So yeah, that is uh that is the episode of Outlander uh once again leaving on a cliffhanger. Yes. A little yeah. less forefronted obvious cliffhanger. Right. As Jamie with a gun to his head, but still a cliffhanger. Yeah. So what happens next week on Outlander, Don? Jamie and the Redcoats. Oh yeah. Which also would be a killer band name. Jamie and the Redcoats. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. Very good. Yeah. This week we have the Johnny Walker Black Label. What, what is this? Aged twelve years. Twelve years. This is this is sort of your the most standard of the Johnny Walkers that I feel like you see yeah. around. This is kind of the best known one without being the most expensive one. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. I mean, like, I actually will say this: I don't think I've ever actually had Johnny Walker before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this this is really nice. Uh, I can understand why it's such a popular brand and very much a classic. Definitely, definitely worth uh, worth a yeah. buy. Uh, so that is our episode. Shorter one. It's a little less eventful one, but hey, it's getting us to Jamie and the Redcoats. Jamie and the Redcoats. Once again, we have to give a shout out to our incredible editor. Meredith Lynn, who makes all of this very much more listenable than it would be in its raw, unformed state. Thanks, Meredith. So that is our episode. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. 